Good morning, everyone. Isn't it great to be gathered together as the, the body of Christ this morning? God is so good. He is with us. He's in our midst. There's uh, two random things to start with. So, at the bottom of my first page, it says page one of ten. Usually I have a sermon that's about five or six pages long. So, it, should, it looks like it's double the length. What's funny is I have actually, I just printed the first six pages. I said, actually, God, I feel to leave that last section. And actually, that's what's happened in the first half of the meeting already. So God was speaking to me about what he wanted to do and God's been at work. And it's just so encouraging seeing that. Thankfully, I think I've prepared the right sermon because also at the top it says Sunday the 20th of February 2022. So I think I'm on the right week. I think we're on Mark chapter 9, the Transfiguration. So can I ask you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9? While you're doing that, I have a question for you. Who or what is the biggest voice in your life? Or it might be, who are the biggest voices in your life? Who do you listen to? Who do you follow? Because, I mean, this comes up quite a lot, doesn't it, I think, in sermons, but we live in a culture where we have TV, social media, um, magazines, radio, everything is geared towards grabbing our attention trying to get us to listen to it. Maybe even some of these things have come with the guise of you do what you want, be you. Be the best you can, you can be. Dress this way and you'll be more confident. You'll be who you are meant to be. It's funny, isn't it? Because actually, really what they're saying is do what I tell you to do and you'll be more you. In essence, they're speaking into your identity. In essence, they're trying to shape who you are. But it can be quite subtle. Do you know what, though? It's actually good that we look beyond ourselves to our identity. It's the way that we were made. It's the way God has made us. Is that actually we don't find who we are just by looking introspectively inside at who we think we are. But actually, we have to look beyond so it's a really important question to say, whom are we listening to? Who are we listening to? So today's passage, Mark 9, we're going to read from verses 2 to 9. So what's the context? Well, we've seen in the first half of Mark's Gospel, um, almost like this setting, you can almost think of it like a picture, like a puzzle. All these different things have been put into place, showing us about Jesus about who he is, about he, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, well, he is the king, he is at hand, he is bringing his rule and his reign, and we're starting to see this wonderful picture, and that's, that's the first half. The second half, which we've just entered into now, of Mark's gospel, is actually very much focusing and homing in on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, and actually what is to take place there, actually what is to be the centre of the picture. Actually, Jesus died on the cross, and his crucifixion. So even in just the last chapter, and hopefully if you've been working your way through the Gospel of Mark, reading your way through it, you would have read that actually Jesus just asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? 
And then he asks the important question, who do you say that I am? That's a really important question for us to answer, for us to wrestle with. But then he also says to them, he starts, it says actually he starts to talk plainly of his upcoming death and resurrection. The disciples still don't understand, but it's actually, from this point on, in the book of Mark, Jesus, he wants the disciples to know that relationship with him is important, that how they see him is important, but what he's going to do is important. So, this is from Mark 9, verses 2 to 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up high, led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. That basically means he was transformed in an exalting and positive way. So he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And they appeared, and they appeared to, them, to them Elijah and Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. There we go. Almost kept reading, couldn't help myself. Okay. So this is, this is a, such a bewildering, overwhelming experience for the disciples. We'd seen actually that when Jesus said, who do you say I am? Jesus had just confessed, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. That's something that only God the Father could reveal to, Jesus, to, to Peter by the Spirit. So they were living in this, this, this revelation of who Jesus was, but they were not expecting what happened next. I just want to, I'm going to pull some of the details together from the other gospel accounts of the Transfiguration. So it's in Matthew, it's in Luke, and it is in Mark. Um, just to give us a little bit more of a picture as to what's happening. So it says that the disciples' eyes had been heavy with sleep. They were probably aware that Jesus led them up the mountain to pray. Okay, it says Jesus, I think it's in Luke's gospel, Jesus led them up the mountain to pray. They were to pray, to be praying together. Um, so probably at night time or very early in the morning, if the disciples were, were really struggling with staying awake, you can just imagine, can't you, that actually they were probably just starting to fall asleep, a bit like in Gethsemane where they fell asleep where Jesus asked them to pray. Just start like Jesus was praying probably and they were just starting to fall asleep. But then something happens. Jesus' face starts to alter. Okay, in Matthew, it says how Jesus' face starts to shine like the sun. Well, take the sun during the daytime and how bright that is you can't you can't you can't even look you can't look at it directly can you or not for any prolonged period of time and yet the, the only way that the disciples could could describe this could put it into words 
was that Jesus' face started to shine radiantly like the sun. They probably started to think, are we dreaming? To begin with, didn't they? Like, actually, if they're heavy with sleep, they're starting to see, what, what's going on here? This is a bit weird. Their, their, their probably first reaction was, are we dreaming? What, what, what's going on here? Jesus' clothes became dazzling white. It says in Mark's account, whiter than anyone could bleach it. Okay, so this is whiter than white. Something that's not natural. I think it's in Luke. Yeah, it's Luke. It says, the literal translation in Luke is bright as a flash of lightning. So you, when, a, when lightning flashes, you know how bright that is, how it draws your attention. Jesus' clothes would just would glow in like that, continuously. And so they, they came to, it's not, not only do they see the glory and majesty of Jesus being revealed, they see Moses and Elijah there with Jesus talking to him. There's no explanation of where they came from. But what we do know is they were talking of Jesus' departure, what's going to happen in Jerusalem. And another word for departure is exodus. So actually, in this moment, in the, in, it's the kind of thing really, isn't it, that actually, God moving in a way like that, I know it's Jesus being glorified, but we hear stories, don't we, of God's manifest presence coming in churches. It's very easy to be blasé about it, to not believe it, to not engage with it. And yet here, we see an experience where Christ's glory is revealed. Jesus was just praying and this happens. The disciples see it. But interestingly, the focus of what Jesus is talking about is the cross and the resurrection and what's going to happen. You see, I think sometimes we can get caught up in seeking, I guess, manifestations of the presence of God and different things like that. And that's not good, that's not healthy, that's not what our focus is to be. But actually God does do those things, but our focus is to be Jesus. Our focus is to be seeking Jesus. Are we seeking Jesus? Are we seeking his name to be glorified? God will do what he will do. Maybe one day in your life you will see some sort of... I know people that have seen gold, gold dust form on someone when... when uh, so there's a guy that mentors me, and sadly his wife died five years ago. She was very seriously sick, and she was being prayed for. And as she was being prayed for, um, gold dust just appeared all over her. He had his eyes shut, he opened them. He's like, why did I shut my eyes? I wish... I wish I could have seen that where it came from. But the interesting thing is, the gold dust was not, there was not a speck on the floor, not a speck on anyone else. Not, it's not as if someone had quickly sprinkled some when his eyes were shut. And he, he kept some in uh, a, little, a little ring box. And then a few months later, it turned to dust. Okay? Now, the easy thing to be would be our focus to be on the gold dust. Okay? And actually, in that situation, his wife didn't even get healed. But reflecting on it, he can see what God was doing and how God was affirming her and was with her. But I just want to say that actually, sometimes God moves in ways like that. Okay? But the focus is always to be on Jesus. 
if that happens, okay? Whether that happens or not, our focus is to be on Jesus, to be glorifying him, to be living cross-centred lives. So the disciples were terrified. You know, any time that we see in Scripture, like angels coming shining bright or anything like that, people are terrified. And there's something about the otherness, the glory of God that actually causes our natural human bodies to tremble, to fear. And actually, sometimes, when we're praying for a fresh feeling of the Spirit for someone, or sometimes when God's moving upon someone, have you noticed sometimes some people shake? Not everyone, but actually, sometimes, just in Scripture, we see, sometimes when God's presence is here, there's just a tremble. Okay, it's not necessarily saying that you feel terrified. In this instance, they were terrified, but actually, when God moves, it affects us the physical and the spiritual, okay? Hence, Jesus' clothes were glowing. So, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He was revealing his glory. Peter starts to speak. Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because he was frightened. I think Peter gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes because he seems to blurt out a lot and speak. But actually, from his understanding of the Old Testament and of God coming to be tabernacled with people and of Elijah coming again, though we see a little bit later, actually, Elijah coming again, that's actually the, testament, the, the life of John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. He actually probably in some ways in his head was on a, well, God's glory and power and kingdom's coming here. And it says when he comes in power, he's going to dwell among us. Let's build somewhere for you to dwell. This is a good place. So maybe he wasn't doing quite such a bad thing by saying that. Um, but yeah, so it's overwhelming, bewildering time. In the midst of this, this while Peter is still speaking, it says actually, this bright cloud of the presence of God envelops them. Now, if you think of the bright cloud of the presence of God, we see that at another exodus. So here, the focus is on Jesus' exodus. We also see it when the people have come out of Egypt. When God sets them free from slavery, actually there's this bright cloud, this pillar that leads the people, that leads them forwards. And we see that when Moses meets with God at the tent of meeting, this cloud falls. There's something about the divine presence of God leading his people, meeting with his people, that, that runs all the way through the Bible. So, in this overwhelming, bewildering time, God speaks, and once again, what does he do? He brings a focus to Jesus. He glorifies Jesus. He says, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. One of the gospel accounts says, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. So the father is saying his delight in Jesus. He's affirming Jesus in his sonship. He's affirming him in what's going to happen. In the context, so, so for, the, for the disciples, so for Peter, James and John who are with Jesus, Jesus actually tells them, don't, don't tell anyone about this until I've been glorified. I think that's the first time in the Bible where, God, where Jesus tells someone not to go and do something, 
but says, well, you, you can in a minute, but like, wait. And I, it must have been such an affirming thing for them. They were about to go through this, this time where, okay, Jesus had told them plainly, and he was going to keep telling them and keep showing them that he was about to die, that he was going to leave. They were his, he, he was their rabbi. He was leading them. He was teaching them. Showing, they said, you have the words of life. Where else will we go? When Jesus taught about eating of the body and drinking of his blood, and it was a hard teaching. Jesus said, do you want to leave me as well, his disciples? And they're like, no, you have the words of life. Where else would we go? They knew that Jesus was the place of life. And, and so in this affirmation, it says, listen to Jesus. So all that's going ahead forwards in this this amazing moment where they've just witnessed the glory of Christ, where they've witnessed the Father's audible voice. Just before this hardship they're about to go through, and yet they're told, "What? keep your focus on Jesus, listen to him, listen to him. And the reality is that God will always give us what we need, no matter what we're going to be going through. Sometimes we have big encounters with him, things that are... I think sometimes we can just put our fingers in points in our lives, can't we? Where God was just so in that. God, it was just such a wonderful time of his presence, such a wonderful thing, so a new revelation of him, a new depth in our identity, our understanding it. And suddenly something goes wrong. It feels like something goes wrong, it's hard, it's difficult. But actually the reality is God's, God's provided what we need to get through that. God's given us what we need. So it's just a... a there's so much here that we could unpack. Um, but I just feel God really putting his fingers on something specific for us this morning. And that's, do we listen to Jesus? Can we listen to Jesus? Do we hear his voice? The, the Bible verse, I don't know if you've seen your emails yet, for the month of prayer at the top. Um, there's this wonderful verse I was so delighted that Sam put at the top it's so helpful when we're coming to God in prayer to remember this but it says in John 10 27 my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me okay it's not that often really sometimes that we talk about Satan the enemy but he's a deceiver okay the Bible talks plainly that he's going around telling us lies trying to deceive us okay one of the lies is, as children of God, we can't hear his voice. Okay? I mean, the scripture says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them follow me. So we either believe that scripture, and believe that applies to us, or we, we don't believe it. Okay? And I, I really think that, actually, this is a stronghold within a lot of the Western church. Some, a lie that the enemy has managed to get in and managed to convince us that that, that guy over there who's prophetic or um, my mum who brought that, that word this morning or um, Barry, what he brought this morning, they, they obviously hear from God. They were prompted by God. I don't hear God like that. I'm not like that. That's not for me. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know who I am in Christ, but that's not for me. No, it is for you. It is for you. We all know the voice of God. 
it just looks different for each of us as we are all made different. God knows how to communicate with us, okay? He's a loving, tender-hearted father. But actually, sometimes we just need to almost freshly learn what it means to hear his voice, what it means for us. I know that for myself, 10 years ago, in any situation, I would have been 100% confident I could hear God's voice. Like, if, if someone asked me, can you pray for me? I'd be like, right, yeah, I'll pray for you. And you know what? God's going to give me a word for you. Like, I can guarantee it. God wants to speak to you. Like, you're, you're his child. He loves you. He cares for you. And actually, what I've realized is I've kind of lost a lot of that confidence. Um, and do you know what that leads us to? That leads us to some, a word that I said earlier, an orphan mindset, an orphan mentality, where actually we live as Christians, but, but really, if, if you can't hear the Father's voice, if you don't know the Father's with you, if you don't know his voice, you're, you're in essence living as if he's not there, aren't you? So it's like this orphan mentality that can creep into the church. And actually, for me, even just over the last few weeks, I've just found again and again God's been putting things on my heart that I just needed to repent of. Things where, I don't know, once at a growth group a long time ago at a different church, I said something, and one of the elders in the church would, like, just picked up on it, but just basically tore me to shreds. Um, they thought they were being funny. Um, their wife definitely told him off afterwards. <laughs> And I met with him and spoke to him about it. And he didn't mean it in the way it came across. And it's about whether we're in two parts or three parts. And I won't get into the theology of it now. And my theology has changed, actually. But, actually, that, that, that did something in me that hurt and was painful. And, yeah, I, I tried to forgive the person at the time of walking there. But, actually, God just recently reminded me of that and said, you, you haven't changed the way... You said sorry for how you feel about it, but you haven't changed the way you think about it. Okay, that's what repentance is, isn't it? It's changing the way we think about things. Reconsidering, seeing things from God's perspective. And there's been thing after thing, just from years ago, sometimes even 15, 20 years ago in my life, where I just feel God saying, like, okay, Pete, someone really upset you, and... You handled yourself well from the perspective of publicly. You didn't do what you wanted to do in the situation. You didn't embarrass the person. You didn't, I was a teenager at the time, you didn't respond by, I don't know, letting it get physical or anything like that, okay? But it was a heart issue. And actually, God's just been dealing with that in me. Just that, yeah. Sometimes there are things where we, we think... I mean, there's two things. One, we just need to trust the blood of Jesus, okay? So anything that we've ever done wrong in our lives, that we've confessed to the Father, Jesus' blood is sufficient and it is dealt with, okay? That is true. And, that is, and I think sometimes we don't trust in the blood of Jesus enough, so we keep coming back to things. That's one issue, that's one side of it. But the other side of it is sometimes we just haven't really actually repented. We might have said sorry, 
but we've not actually gone through that process of changing the way we think, changing the way we engage with the person, we engage with that thought process, or honouring that person. I hope this is making sense, because that's not in my notes at all, but... Um, I hope my notes make sense. Um, but yeah, so coming back to this, I really think that, that there is a lie of the enemy that we, we don't hear the voice of God. And that's something that God wants to break in us. That's something God wants to set us free from. Some people, I think it is going to be an instant thing. And some of us, it's a, it's a journey. And God just wants us to keep, keep pushing, pushing forward. There's a, a quote I came across by Clint Eastwood the other day. Um, I think he's 91 now, maybe. But uh, I think it was around the time of his 88th birthday. Someone asked him, like, like how, how do you get on? How, how, how are you still making films and being in films and doing what you do? Uh, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it was something along the lines of, I keep the old man locked outside. Which is basically saying, he's not being defined by the fact that he's physically old. But he's, he's keeping... But, but I think there's something profound for us, because actually we're told again and again in the scripture, aren't we, to take off the old self and put on the new. How often are we actually still kind of getting back inside the old self and living in that place? And that mentality and those things. Okay? When actually we're called to live in a new self, that we're in Christ Jesus. Studies have been shown, okay, for a fetus. But once it's past, once baby's past a certain number of weeks in growing, that when the mother speaks, the fetus responds. Okay, the fetus learns the mother's voice. The baby knows its parent's voice. When the baby is born and come as has been born. The baby already knows. You can see the baby responds to, the, to its mother's voice. And it can respond to other people's voices who have been around and who it's heard or things it's heard and things like that. But as Christians, we have been born again. Okay? We are children of God. We are now in Christ Jesus and his spirit is in us. We've, the whole reason we're Christians in the first place is that we've heard the voice of God calling us and we've responded to us. It's not like you've become a Christian, you heard the voice of God and now you don't hear it anymore. Okay? And I just really feel like, actually, let that bring you confidence. That actually, as a baby, even when it's still in, inside the mother's womb, it's learned, it's, it's, it's learned the voice of its parents. It learns the voice of its mum, it learns the voice of its dad. That is the same for us. We've been through this new birth. We, the Holy Spirit is in us, revealing God's heart and mind to us. Okay? There's something else that I feel um, I just want to quickly share with us that God's put on, our, put on my heart. So, what we hear in 
the affirmation of Jesus by the Father, we actually come across, we actually came across in Mark chapter 1. So when Jesus had been baptised, it says, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is significant, because this is before Jesus' public ministry. This is like the start of his public ministry. He's not been done doing mighty miracles, he's not been teaching, he's not been doing all these different, different things that we equate to the life of Jesus. This affirmation of the Father's love and of the Father's delight in him comes before he's done the stuff. Okay, I imagine he's left, led an obedient life, but actually that's something for us. Because actually, whilst we were dead in our sins, far from God, Jesus died on the cross for you. He knew the worst thing that you've ever done or ever will do, Jesus, Jesus knew it and he died for you. He died for you. And he says, you're his beloved son, you're his beloved daughter. Okay, and I have good works for you to do, but you do the good works from the place of sonship. You do the good works from the place of being adopted into his family. You do the good works from the place of intimacy with the Father. What did Jesus model for us? Jesus modeled for us a life bringing in the kingdom of God and says, you walk in the same as me and do greater things than me. But what do we see at the core of that life, at the centre? We see um, intimacy with the Father. Okay, and that's a relationship we're called into. And, and if... It just it doesn't make sense, does it? It just doesn't make logical sense that we'd be saved and that we'd have these works to do and that we are... We, we, we have a good, good Father who gives good, loving gifts to us, but we're not to know his delight and we're not to know his voice. That doesn't make sense, does it? And that's not what God has intended for us. I think some, for some of us, it can even hurt sometimes when we hear, hear people say, God loves you, God cares for you. It's like, no, not, not. I kind of get he loves me, but I don't, don't really live in it. I don't experience it. But, but God wants you to know his love. Several, numerous times in the, in the New Testament, when the Spirit comes, it talks about him making known the love of God in our hearts to us. So we have this amazing life to walk all of us have this amazing life. This is for the whole church. We're all to walk as Jesus walked. But it's from the place of knowing the affirmation and the love of our Father and knowing his voice. This is Zephaniah 3.17. This is God speaking to his people. The Lord your God is in your midst. So this is like through a prophet. A mighty one who will save so God is here, he is with us. We want to see our town saved. He is amongst us, he is mighty, and he will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He delights in you. He delights in you. 
He will quiet you by his love. I think sometimes we get hung up on dividing the four different words for love in the Bible a bit too much. And we can end up with this, this theology that it's okay to love God by my actions, but not necessarily feel anything towards him. That's not what this is describing, is it? He will quiet you by his love. That's intimacy. We're called to love the Lord with all our mind, heart, soul and strength. That isn't just cerebral, is it? That's all of us. That's with our heart. It's to be a heart thing. And God wants us to be connected with his heart in such a way that we know his love. That we know it. So he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Not just with singing. I won't sing too loudly for you. As you can probably tell from the song I started earlier, it was a little bit out of tune and Ian had to kind of slightly correct it. <laughs> but... But wow, I mean, there is music in this world that captures my heart. There is music that, that is beautiful, that is delightful, that is wonderful, okay? That's just a glimpse of what God is like. And God sings over you loudly. He exalts over you. I just I really feel that, actually, in this season, God, God wants... God. God doesn't want any of us to live with an orphan mindset, an orphan heart, living from this disconnect of our heart with God, saying, I do the Christian life out of duty. No, we do it from a life of passion. We do it from a life of, of, of love, from a place of love and knowing him. Jesus was adamant of this, so I'm just gonna, about to close, but it says in John 14, um, I'm just going to pick a couple of phrases from between 8 and 21 it says I will not leave you as orphans but I will come to you he knew that we might end up thinking that we live in this, this place as orphans with this orphan mentality he's like no 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 I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you you will know that I am in the father so we will know that Jesus and the father are one we will know that he's in the father but also that you are in me we will know it. We will experience it. That we are in Christ. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him. And I will manifest myself to him. I don't know if you ever feel like Jesus is manifesting himself to you. But this is a, this is a promise of Jesus. Sometimes we might think, I've not experienced that. Or I've not experienced that in a long time. We put it to one side and that's it but actually no 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 this this is the normal christian life as i thought earlier on if the things of the world have too much precedent on our lives for drawing us in if they're putting us in that we love them we won't know the love of the father and we won't love him as we should so i just want to I'm aware of the time, but I'd, I'd just like to take a quick moment to respond. Um, cool. Are people happy to stand? I think it's good to stand, to stand up. <coughs> and there isn't, this isn't, if it, if an all that I've said this morning, if you're like, 
That's good. I don't struggle with that. 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 That's, that's really good. That's really encouraging. Um, but do you know what? There's still more of God's love to know. There's, we, we, we will never fully, fully, fully know it now. But there's still more to know. Still more of his love to know. Still more to know growing in his voice. Hearing his voice. There's still more to know walking in intimacy with him. And so I just encourage you to, to respond from that perspective if you're not responding um, to, to, not, to feeling like you don't know the love of the Father, feeling you don't know the affirmation of the Father, and feeling like you don't know his voice. So I'm just going to pray for us in a second. Just still your hearts before God your hearts before him. If you need to repent of anything in a moment, um, just just do that. Like I said, there's there's life in the tongue, but there's also death in the tongue. We're actually, by choosing to use it to engage with God in these things, it's good. Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we love you. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. That you, you call us to live lives as children, as beloved children of God. But I thank you that means that we, we do life from a secure place. It means we do life from a place of, of knowing your affirmation, not based on what we do, but your affirmation just by being who you've made us to be being sons and daughters of you. Lord, I just pray now, if if there are are lies of the enemy that have got their way in, that that are stopping us from hearing your voice, stopping us from knowing your heart. God, I just pray, come and break those lies now. Come remove those lies now. Lord, I pray that you will come and renew our minds. Lord, that as as we name these things before you, as we come before you in repentance, for allowing those things to become strongholds in our lives. Lord, I pray that you will replace them with truth. Lord, that you will replace them with truth. Lord, that you'll help us to to proclaim the gospel to ourselves daily, to proclaim our identities to ourselves daily, but to live from a place of grace, to live from a place of sonship, to live from a place of knowing you are our Father and we delight in you and we love in you. We love you. Thank you, God, that you are with us now. And Lord, I just pray that, that as, we, as we can walk free, free from these lies this morning, I pray, Lord, help us to, to, to not fall back into them, to not fall again into the yoke of slavery, but to know your truth and the freedom that comes from that. Lord, help us to delight in you, help us to know you, help us to live in the fullness of what it means here on the earth, to live as children of the beloved God. Thank you, God. Amen.